0: Welcome to Karura's Weekly Podcast. Our hope is that your spiritual life will be fruitful as you listen in. We start in three, two, one. For leading us this morning. Good morning. Oh, it's uh, just getting to afternoon. Good afternoon. Merry Christmas, everybody. Finally, I can tell you Merry Christmas. Right? All right, please stand to your neighbor and tell them Merry Christmas from me, from me to you, all right? Okay, so it's pretty awesome to see all of you. Um, you know, last weekend was amazing. We just had women all over doing good stuff here from last week, Thursday. Uh, they had an amazing dinner, evening worship, and then the different workshops on Saturday, and then Sunday, the Atasikupata space on but it was so full, uh, just, just women, uh and uh, you know let's let's celebrate the women for just what they did good stuff but i was thinking to myself did you know that in november there's actually a day that celebrates men did you know that did oh no oh you did you celebrate the men in your lives you forgot why us lord why us why are we always forgotten it's interesting, you know, when a man appears mad, you're like, ah, you're looking good, your wife is doing an amazing job. You're like, but I'm the one who went to the shop to buy. <laughs> Alright? Uh, let's, let's say this. Why do we do this to men? Double no one say I'm an humble African. Some said I'm a rascal and I'm an humble African. These little hands. Yeah, why, why do we do this to men, Aki? Surely. Is it even Christian to do this to men? <laughs> we need to change this narrative. Yeah. We need to change it. Uh, let me see whether we have men. Men, men, Ahu, who? Uh-huh. No, 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 men. I, we, we need to mean it. Men, are who? Uh-huh. Good stuff. Next year in June 2024, we have an amazing thing happening right here for all the men. So you want to put up yourself and gather yourself, put yourself together as we look forward to that. And every second Saturday, oh yeah, yeah, we can celebrate that for the men. Let's change this narrative at your... Uh, no we must celebrate our men in this church um and then every second Saturday of the month um the men are always meeting for a fellowship uh, and we thank God for what is happening i don't know whether there's a committee that's planning things uh if you're a committee member of the men indeed would you please stand As you online uh all right nikawa okay Angaliani online you'll see them all right they are there they're standing but Hey, please, we want you, men, we want you to plug in. uh, This coming Saturday, we have an event uh, to just connect and fellowship together. It's men's meeting. So please sign up at the info desk. Um, Sign up if you want to be engaged in the men's activities. Sign up if you want to help us with the men's summit that's coming up in June 24 as a sponsor. Uh, ladies, this is where you support your men by sponsoring this event uh, that we are preparing for. This is how you celebrate. Sindio and Yeah, please support and let's get ready. But please uh, sign up for Saturday's event. We need to know by Tuesday how many goats we need to buy. So please sign up if you're planning to come. Okay? All right. Uh, please let's all rise as we do our scripture reading for the day. And I want us to read together. Okay? So... Let's read together. Our reading is from the Book of Isaiah, chapter one—sorry, uh, chapter nine, verses uh, one through seven. Let's read together. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, but in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. From that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. I pray that you open our eyes that we may see the wonderful things in your law. And I pray, Lord, this afternoon, even in my witness, you may use me as your vessel. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you. You may have your seats. Now today I want my preaching today is more of an exegesis or, or what they would call Um, an exposition of this passage. Um, What this means, and I'm just warning you to prepare, you can get, you ought to be a Bible student, so please get your Bible ready, get your notebook ready, get your pen ready, because we will be flipping across the Bible and referring to many passages, and you need to write them, and also later you can make some reference to. A very brief history on the book of Isaiah, Isaiah has two major themes. One of them is judgment. Judgment is happening because um, the Israelites, God's children, decide not to obey him, decide not to follow the commands that he has given them. So they face judgment. On the other hand, the other theme that we see is a the theme of hope, that yes, they disobey God and God brings judgment upon them. But there is hope that comes down on them because God doesn't want to destroy them completely. So he reaches down to them to draw them back uh, to himself. The book obviously derives this name from the author, the prophet Isaiah. And Isaiah, the name actually means the Lord is salvation. And it's similar to the names like Joshua, Yeshua, or Elisha, or Jesus. Isaiah is quoted directly in the New Testament over 65 times, far more than any other Old Testament prophet in the New Testament. And it's mentioned uh, very specifically over 20 times, again, more than any other Old uh, Testament prophet. And it's written hundreds of years before the events got to happen. So today what I want to do is uh, go verse by verse and I hope you can go with me so that we see what is happening here and we can see, like we love to say, that scripture actually interprets scripture and it stands on scripture. Verse 1 says, Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. Now, for us, for this verse to make sense, we have to go back to the previous chapter. Because the first word that is used here is nevertheless, nevertheless. It means there's something that has been said. So let's rewind back a bit to chapter 8 and see the final verses of that chapter. Let me go first to verse 20. Let me start from verse 20 of Isaiah chapter 8. It says, consult God's instruction and the testimony of warning. If anyone does not speak according to this word, they have no light of dawn. Distressed and hungry, they will roam uh, through the land when they are famished, they will become enraged and looking upward will cast their king and their god. Then they will look toward the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom, and they will be thrust into utter darkness. Now, this is what has just happened. If you may, like the two themes that I gave judgment, this is a sort of judgment that is coming upon the people of God, the Israelites. And we are told they will look toward the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom. And they will be thrust into utter darkness. They will be condemned to a bad place, to a bad space. But see what happens immediately. The following verse starts with nevertheless. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom. They just have been condemned to gloom. Now it comes and says, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan interesting, back-to-back verses. One is judgment, the other one gives hope. The people that have been condemned to be in distress and to be in darkness, then they are drawn and now there's no more gloom. No more gloom. I hope you can see what is happening here. In the former days, these people would be gloomy. But in the latter days, they will be glorious. They will be given better days. Just after we hear a pronouncement of judgment and we feel that this is such a desperation, we have lost Israel, then comes the next word, the latter days he has made glorious in the way of the sea. And you may be asking yourself, what was the former gloom? How does it look like? Run to me, run to run with me to the book of Second Kings, chapter fifteen, verse twenty nine. It says, In the time of Pekah, king of Israel, Tiglath Apiles the king of Assyria, came and took Ijon, Abel, Abel, Abel Beth, Maakah, Janoah, Kadesh, and Azor. He took Gilead and Galilee, including all the land of Naphtali, and deported the people to Assyria. This is how that gloom that we just read looked like. The Assyrians, they came and, you know, wiped out all these people and carried them into, into cap- captivity. Now, that was definitely a great devastation. It was a blow, a great gloom. But now, those were the former times. Now comes the latter time of Naphtali and Zebulun and that part of Israel. Now, if you, you have a bit of geography in your, in your mind, and you can just later Google for the map of geography of the Holy Land and look at this map. Locate these places, Naphtali and Zebulun and the Sea of Galilee and that area. And you will discover the people who lived around there, most of them actually will be the Gentiles. So it's very interesting that light is coming to these people. It's actually, it's not directly coming to the Israelites, God's people, but it's actually coming to a different kind of people, the Gentiles. Verse 2 says, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. What you're seeing in this verse is God changing the circumstances of these people. They were in darkness, but hey, now they see a great light. The Gospel of Matthew directly quotes this verse. And here it shows that Christ is ultimately the view here that we are talking about Jesus Christ in this passage. Of Isaiah, That gloom is going to be replaced with glory in the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations, or Galilee of the Gentiles. Jesus is coming not just to you, the Israelites, you, the Jews, is coming to us as well as the Gentiles, because we are part of the Gentile nation. So Matthew 4 says from verse 12, when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. Realize where Jesus goes. He doesn't go to the center where the Jews were. He withdraws, goes to Capernaum in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. Land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of the shadow of death. I light us dawned. A light us come to them that have lived in darkness. It doesn't matter which tribe you belong to. It doesn't matter which class you belong to. The light has dawned to everyone who was in darkness. Verse 3 continues, You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when diving, when dividing the plunder. You will multiply as nations. And you may be asking, how does this happen? We just read that he opened up the way to the sea territory. He opened up that area that was actually a Gentile nation or had a population, the majority uh, were Gentile. He opens it up. He changes what would have been gloom to become glory for that people or for those people. And we see, you may remember from your Bible reading the book of Genesis, chapter 17, God speaking. To Abram, he says, no longer will you will you be called Abram, your name will be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. Israel is mysteriously going to be a multitude of nations, not just the people that were originally Jewish. Now, for us today, Jesus puts it this way. In the book of John chapter 10, he says, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep, and I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. There will be a great increase of people who are not of Jewish descent, but this will be the people who hear God's voice and respond to it and live by it and obey it. And see the kind of increment that comes to these people Two things or two ways the increment comes to them. One, it comes to them. They have a joy as when people have during harvest. Okay? Now, when you're thinking harvest, you're thinking of plenty. Like now, I know most of you farmers, you're looking forward to the harvest time because the rains have come, you know, the crop is thriving, and you can't wait, you know, for January or for February to do your harvest time. Plenty. There will be abundance. So what God will give is plenty, is joy of plenty. He'll provide each and everything that these people need, that his people need. And then secondly, he shows joy. They have joy. And he says as the joy that warriors have while dividing uh, their spoils or spoils. Now, warriors or soldiers only get to divide the plunder or the spoils, after they have won a battle, after victory has been won. So the kind of joy that this have is the joy of having the victory that they have won. Then they have this joy within themselves. Verse 4, for as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Was in the day of the Midian's defeat. Now the story of the Midian's defeat is found in the book of Judges, chapter six through 18. And so, please, in your time this week, find time. It's quite a story. Um, if if you can have time to just look at it, but here is a quick preview. Uh, Gideon is is a judge in in um, Israel, and God speaks to him and tells him, "I want you to lead the people of Israel." Because in this time, they were under the captivity of the Midianites. Now, the Midianites, when you read those chapters, you'll find that these were mighty men. They had a mighty army. Their army was made up of 135,000 men. A great army. But the Israelites' army was just made of 30,000 men. So there was quite a disparity here. And God is telling Gideon, hey, I, I want you to lead the Israelites against the Midianites, and I will give you victory. And Gideon is thinking, oh, okay, maybe I need to start recruiting to have more men in this army. But God tells uh, Gideon, no, 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 no. Those are many. The 30, those are many. Reduce them. Reduces them to 10,000. God tells them, him, no, 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 no. Those are many. Reduce them. And he reduces them to a number and then he's like, okay, mungu, siniba tu a thousand you know, uh, or whatever number he was thinking in his head. God is like, Gideon, reduce that number. And he's left with 300 men. 300. And then he's to go and with 300 men to go and face an army of 135,000 men. Uh, like, there's no contest there. The Midianites are beating and souping these guys completely. But Gideon listens to the instruction given to him by the Lord. And he puts these people together... And when the time comes, he calls them and they they go and surround the valley where the Midianites were. And Midianites were, were people with great camels for, for the war. They were armed in all ways, like they were they had a mighty army. So Gideon is there with his three hundred men around this place. Interesting, they didn't even have weapons. Gideon's army only went with a trumpet and a lamp. And they went, surrounded that place. And then when the time came, uh, I think they got the signal, and they blew the trumpets. And they were waving and swinging the lamps. And the Midianites woke up, and they were so confused. They were like, what's happening? Gideon and his army are taking over. And they get so confused. And they start to fight against themselves. So the Midianites um, spear themselves. They kill themselves. They fight against themselves. And they die, all of them. And Gideon's army wins without fighting anyone. So when this portion of scripture talks about for as in the day of Midian's defeat, this is a kind of victory that it is talking about. God broke the yoke, the staff, and the road of the oppressors of his people. And that's the basis of the victory that came to Gideon and the army. Like the Midianites, only the Lord could give such a victory. Verse 5. Oh, before I move to verse 5. Just think about it in our day-to-day. When we are coming for salvation, we come to the Lord, what what do we do? What fight are we fighting? or Have we fought? Are we the ones who die on the cross? Or are we told victory is here and is a gift of salvation? It's been won for you. It's been fought for you already. It's a gift. Only the Lord can give us that. Verse 5. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. You can imagine after a battle, you know, and, you know, these, these guys come and they are walking Uh, Seeing all these Midianites lying down, you know, and they're just pulling all the the clothes and their boots. And those, they became elements or uh, wood, uh, you know, elements for fire. They were fuel for the fire and if if you've gone for camping or if you've you've seen how battle works you know it's it's terrible out there so you need fire to keep warm you need fire as a signal you need fire to communicate with your troops and god provided fuel for the fire that they needed i would say this was victory with benefits they captured and they just put together all the boats and they had fuel for the fire. What we see in these verses is a kind of shift a shift from gloom to glory, a shift from darkness to light, a shift from sorrow to joy, a shift from oppression to freedom, oppression to service. It's a shift, it's a move. And I don't know where you are. Because as the Israelites, like the Israelites, we relate with the battles. We relate with being in darkness. We relate with being distressed in our daily lives, in darkness, filled with sorrow. So I don't know where you're stuck. Maybe it's in the gloominess of loss of a job or joblessness or childlessness or a loss or you're stuck in darkness, the darkness of sin, immorality, corruption, the darkness of drug and substance abuse. You're stuck, stuck in darkness. This darkness of denying his saving power that he has, denying that he came and died for your sin, denying that he is not God. And you can create your own God. I don't know what is giving you sorrow. Maybe it's your unbelieving spouse or that brother, that sister that doesn't believe yet. Maybe you don't know what you're going to eat after this service. And it's giving you great sorrow. You don't know where you'll get money for rent for this month. You're not sure how things will look like this Christmas holiday. What's oppressing you? Is it disease or medical bills? Is it the unsatisfying job that you have to wake up to every day and you have to go and work grudgingly and grumbling every day? What is oppressing you? I don't know where you are. But I have some good news for you. A light has dawned. A light has dawned and God has the power to move you. Move you from gloom to glory, from darkness to light, from sorrow to joy, from oppression to freedom. And this is how he moves you. In verse 6 we see, for to us a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace he's the one in charge of this government and this is how his government looks like we are told wonderful counselor he tells us that he is wise like we see in the book of Isaiah 28-29 says all this also comes from the Lord Almighty whose plan is wonderful whose wisdom is magnificent nothing beats what God knows nothing beats his wisdom or the counsel that he gives us every day He is the mighty God. It means he is strong. He has the power. Like we have seen that and like we see in the book of Hebrews chapter chapter 1, verse 2 to 3 says, And now in these final days, these days, he has spoken to us through his son. God promised everything to the son as an inheritance. And through the son, he created the universe. The sun radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. And he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. When he has cleansed us from our sins, he sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. You see, he's a mighty God. See what he does. I love, I love verse 3. It says, The sun radiates God's own glory. See Jesus, you sing God's own glory in Him. He says He expresses the very character of God, and He sustains everything by the mighty power of His command. He's the mighty God. He is the everlasting Father. He's caring, he's concerned about where you are, what you're going through. He knows what you're thinking right now. He knows how you've arranged things to work. But he says, hey, I am the everlasting father. I am the one with the plans for your life. Best thing to do is just follow my plan and not your plan. In John 14, Jesus speaking to his disciples, he says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live. You also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you're in me, and I am in you. Everlasting Father who is caring, present with us. He's caring. He tells us, I'm not leaving you. I'm not abandoning you as orphans. I will be with you. He is a prince of peace. He brings peace. Now when we look at the world today, we may ask, what peace is there? But hey, what if the Lord wasn't in this world? What if all the nations were fighting against each other? We have peace. God has actually given us peace. One of the things that we enjoy even as a country is sometimes looking at our neighbors, you know, having these factions that are fighting and wanting to topple governments. And then we look at what God does to our country. Look at what God is doing. Peace. But God gives peace. At all levels. like We see in Isaiah 116 to 9. It says the wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together. And a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear. their young will lie down together. And the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den. And the young child will put its hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the lord as waters cover the sea peace over every space over every dominion but more even to us peace is given to us like we see in the book of ephesians chapter 2 he says for god for he himself is our peace who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in him in, him, in himself one humanity out of the two, thus making peace and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. God gave us peace. Jesus came. We who deserved to die, we who were enemies of God, were united with Him. Book in the book of uh, Timothy says He's a mediator who brings peace, peace between man and God that we can enjoy. We see in verse seven that His kingdom has no end. It's not limited. And there will be fulfillment of promises that were made to David. If you look at the book of 2 Chronicles, chapter 21, verse 7, and Jeremiah 23, 5, you'll be able to see this. And good news is we are included in this promise. We are part of this promise. Now, we are in this season of the year where truly there is a lot of peace, on earth. Usually, Christmas is one of the good times or the most peaceful time of the year, especially if you live in Nairobi. You know, you can go to town during the Christmas season and everybody has left. You can actually walk uh, on those streets and there's no bustle, there's no noise, no one is fighting with you to overlap, to jump lights, no one is, you know, telling you a hey, Nepalian, I you know, all these things that happen in, in town. It's one of the most good times to be in the CBD. Now, buildings, um, you know, uh, 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 churches now, they're putting lights, uh, candles, trees. They are now becoming more beautiful. You know, if you take a walk or a drive along or near the malls, you will see now they've changed their lights. They're looking beautiful at night lights have been lit and i i would say this has been done appropriately and i say appropriately because christmas is about the light christmas as we get into this season it's about the light and jesus is the light of the world he says in john 1 1 we see in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not overcome it. It's a light. Jesus came to be the light here on earth or in the world, but he wasn't understood by many people. And when he was taken to the temple to be dedicated, as the custom was in that culture, we see someone who understood what Jesus had come to do. In the book of Luke, we read about a man called um, Simeon. Let me just skip to Luke chapter 25, chapter 2, verse 25. He says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the gentiles, and the glory of your people Israel. You see what we read earlier, Isaiah's prophecy about the sun being given and a light coming, wasn't stories ajaba. It was God's word, which is true and credible which can be tested through time and it will stand. God's word is true and stands the test of time. Do we understand why Jesus came? Or maybe we can change that question and we can ask, what if Jesus had never come? What if Jesus didn't come? Do me a favor, please. Turn to your neighbor. Discuss. What if Jesus never came? Thirty-two marks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, discuss. If you are, if you don't have a neighbor, you can come, and then we can share the mic. As the worship team comes. Yeah. What if Jesus never came? No cross. We wouldn't have the cross. No cross from where it comes salvation. No empty tomb where it comes verification. No Holy Spirit from where we get transformation. No church from where comes inspiration. No ladder to heaven. No leader in life. No savior from sin. No friend that lives within. The world would have been a dark place indeed. But a light has come. A light has dawned. He is the light of the world. Just like he said it in the book of John chapter 8. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me. We'll never walk in darkness, but we'll have the light of life. He is the light. This season, as we celebrate Christmas, Christmas is about Jesus Christ, who is a light to the world and in the world. He came. This world is not in darkness anymore. And he says in Matthew chapter 5, you are the light of the world. Now that you've believed in him and you follow him, you are a light in the world or of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. So you have to shine. When you go for those parties, when you're doing your office parties as you close the year, remember Christmas is about being the light, that you can be light in these places. Whatever you do as you go in these family gatherings, you can be a light in each and every space that God gives us to be. So this Christmas season, a light has dawned. Will you be the Christmas light in this season? Let's all rise and sing this song.
1: down into darkness. Open my eyes, let me see. Beauty that (music) You. <music>
0: Chancellor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Faith, and we would not want to end this service if we have not given you this chance to know this God, for this son to be born in your heart, and probably you're there, and, um, you've been saying that I, I do not have the son in my life, and uh, you would want to give your life to Christ, um you can come to the front after this, as the service is ending. We'll have our pastors and our prayer deacons and our, uh, our elders right here with us to pray. So please don't... Has this message challenged you? We hope that it has been a blessing in your life. If you would like to give your life to Christ or talk to or pray with someone, kindly reach us on WhatsApp
1: 721 God bless you.